Welcome to Bible and Stuff, a podcast about the Bible and stuff. I'm Glenn. And I'm Tanner. And today we are diving into a new series on Joshua. Yeah, we are. I'm really excited about it. We have taken the time to walk through spiritual disciplines, why we think they're important, a little bit on how you start to build those, but something we want to do in addition to that, although we think it's it's right alongside it, is also give you resources to help you in your spiritual disciplines, right? So if we're going to yeah. tell you to, to read your Bible, we also want to talk about the Bible together and and walk <laughs> through the things that uh, help us. See, maybe maybe it's hard passages sometimes. Maybe it's uh, just things that are particularly important to us in this day and age or whatever. But uh, right now it's just going through the book of Joshua and seeing what that has to say for us. Heck yeah, man. And I we're going to start off... Uh, this week by doing kind of like an intro and talking about the theme, which I think is super helpful. Uh, I know when we're doing this in like community groups and things like that, like walking through books of the Bible and we start with the theme in mind, it is so much more helpful to read through the book and like actually grasp what's being said. Yeah. It's always been a help to me. I've realized that a long time ago. And I remember like it was about the time that I started to struggle with that, that, cool resources like the Bible Project started popping up. And I remember thinking, where has this been all my life? Like, it's so <laughs> helpful to get an overview of what you're about to read, but more importantly, kind of see the big threads running through something before you jump in. Because then as you see them come up, you're like, oh yeah, that's what we're doing. I see how that this now plays into the whole. But if, if you don't have that foundation, you kind of have to figure it out on the fly. And it's a lot, it's a lot more difficult to pick them out. Uh, and, yeah. and honestly, you just have to read it like four times before you're like, okay, it seems <laughs> like the whole book's about this. And this is how this particular passage plays into that. So uh, we're going to try to do that. And really, this is just a classic case of me planning how many episodes I thought the series was going to need to be, then getting into it and like making it more. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what we're doing here. Tanner was supposed to cover, I think, chapters one through four. And I was like, hey, we're going to do chapter one, really half of chapter <laughs> one. And we're going to talk about the overall theme of the book. Yeah. But again, we're excited to do it this way. It's I, I think it's going to be helpful. So without further ado, let's hop into this. Let's right? do it. Okay, well, yeah, let's do it. I want to do like one minute on why we thought the book of Joshua is important. There's 66 books in the Bible. We could have picked any of them. Why did we feel like Joshua was a good way to go? And the, the short answer actually is that we were both just happened to, to be reading it in the Bible. And <laughs> one of us brought it up and I was like, I've been reading this too. And I want to talk about <laughs> it. And I think that'll be helpful. The longer answer as we've dug in and studied it more with the intention of, hey, would, what, what would it look like to talk about this in a series? We kind of realized that it has quite a bit, uh, uh, quite, a, quite a lot of implications for mm. how we are to live as Christians in this stage of life. Like what, what I'm saying there, and you'll, you'll see this as we kind of break apart the theme, is not like, in this cultural moment, although I think there may be some applications for that, it's more about like people who have been saved but are not dead yet. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What is what is life supposed to look like for us? I think Joshua has a lot to say about that because it it parallels to uh, so 
Egypt, right before Joshua, is Moses bringing the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and that's salvation, right? I mean, it, it's very mm. clear that that, that kind of ties into the point where we're slaves to sin, and then Jesus, and now we're slaves to righteousness, right? But but we're free to live in him. And Joshua, following the story of, of Moses, is they've gotten to the edge of the promised land, but they haven't entered it yet. So this is where I feel like we're at, right? As Christians, we know that heaven is coming. We know that we're going to to get to glorification. And we've already been saved, but we're in this in-between, and we have to figure out what it looks like to move towards the promised land uh, with with our everyday lives. So I think... Joshua has a lot to say about that, and, and it's going to be pretty helpful as we think about what should it look like for us to live in this already but not yet part of life. Yeah, no, that that's really good. I guess before we get into the actual book of Joshua, you, you kind of already hinted at this. There's, there is backstory and history to this. Yeah. Um, obviously, Joshua is taking over for Moses, but... Moses has some back history and there's even it even goes further back than that to kind of help us lead into where we're going today. Yeah, I mean that's a struggle with picking any Old Testament but any book of the Bible really is that it, it's it comes after a series of events and it becomes yeah. before a series of events and it, you need to be able to set it in the big story for it to make sense. So you're, so let's go all the way back to creation. <laughs> I mean, kind of, right? Close. So, so uh, Joshua's the first book that's not in the Torah, so like those ancient Jewish texts. And the, you're right, that opens up with creation, but there's the shift at like Genesis 11, this Tower of Babel, and then Genesis 12 is God calls Abraham, right? So mm-hmm. that, everything before that, it's kind of its own thing. Obviously, it's leading up to Abraham, but that's not, that doesn't necessarily bear immediately on the storyline, the narrative that we're talking about here with Joshua. So we start with Abraham. God chooses him and says, hey, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Essentially, God's going to build his people through this man, Abraham. And then his family grows up into what is eventually known as the nation of Israel. And then we see at the end of Genesis that, you know, we're going through his family of Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and that kind of culminates with the whole people group, which is big at this point, becoming enslaved to Egypt, uh, or in Egypt, rather. And then comes the character Moses, who we know a lot about. He kind of takes up the whole rest of the Torah, and Moses rescues God's people out of slavery. He, He gets them out of Egypt. And so they, you know, cross the Red Sea. Most of us probably know that big story. They're free and they go to Mount Sinai where God then makes a covenant with his people. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. This is what it looks like to live like that. You know, there's there's the Ten Commandments, yeah. there's the law, all those things. And then those people have to go through the wilderness in order to reach the promised land. And if you've been in church very much, you probably hear like, oh, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And it didn't necessarily take 40 years to go from where they were at to the promised land. But because of some disobedience, that was part of the journey. God let them wander in the wilderness and he provided manna from heaven. We get all those cool stories. Um, But where that leaves us is 
right before Joshua, Israel is camped outside of the promised land. And Moses goes up to the mountain, God shows it to him, but he says, you're not, you're not the one that's going to go in there. You're not the one that's going to take them in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> big bummer. Um, yeah. But instead, Moses' aide, uh, kind of his assistant, kind of his right-hand man in a lot of things probably, Joshua gets to lead the people into the promised land. And that's how we open up the book. Moses has died. Joshua's kind of assumed the mantle. And now we're finally going to do this thing. All right. So Moses has passed. Joshua's in charge. And they've made it up to the point where they're ready to go into the promised land. What does that look like? <laughs> they just walk in. Like, I I know there's a lot more to the story than they've arrived and everything's great. Yeah. Well, there was certainly talk of entering the promised land before Joshua uh, takes control, but the people of Israel didn't go through with it. And the reason is there's people there. <laughs> the promised land is not exactly uh, completely open. There's some other people who think that uh, currently it belongs to them. And so uh, it's a little intimidating because these aren't exactly like, oh yeah, we'll just, we'll pick up and move. And they're pretty wicked people too. They're they're uh, not necessarily like, oh yeah, come in, move in, we'll all be friends. It's not really the plan God has. God's plan, which we're going to talk about in weeks coming, is hey, get rid of all these people, and you get to live in the land that I've set aside for you. And I know that array, <laughs> that makes immediate questions come up from people. <laughs> I promise you, we'll get there, but we don't have time today. So, really, the problem is the land is going to require some taking. And they have to figure out what that looks like. So if we look at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, this is really God's like pep up speech. What a pep talk. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And and he says things like, hey, no man's going to be able to stand before you. And then he says, hey, just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And he gives Joshua the one thing that he needs to do in order for this to all go the way that God intends. And that's kind of our key verse here. And it's when he tells him, be strong and courageous. Yeah. So on one hand, he's saying, hey, do the opposite of what what your forefathers have done here. But on the other hand, it's still a really big ask. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think we're going to need to tease apart what that exactly means means. But the other thing he tells him, be strong and courageous and hey, obey the law. Obey all the law that was passed down through Moses and quote, it shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Hmm. So my simple understanding of, of what God's trying to portray here is, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying with you. I need you to stay with me. Yeah. Right. I, I'm gonna be here. I need you to not leave me. And and that looks like be strong and courageous. That looks like obey the commandments. That looks like press in because if if we're gonna do this, you you've got to be here with me. If I'm yeah. gonna be able to protect you, you've got to stay within the fold. Now, if we're not careful, we can take this in a very legalistic direction which I, we don't want to do based on <laughs> the entirety of the rest of the Bible. But it's, but it's going to take some, some teasing out of what 
God is really saying here and what it looks like for us practically. I think uh, we'll, we'll be getting into this, but hearing God say, stay with me, I'm going to be with you is easier to hear than to actually follow, (laughs) even for for me. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I am excited to see how all of this plays out in the book of Joshua um, and realize how bad I am at doing it as well. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So I think it's been difficult for everyone of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was difficult for the people before Joshua. Even the, the triumphs that they have in Joshua, you're going to see it's not always easy to obey that commandment. Uh, and then I'm pretty sure the entirety of the rest of the Old Testament is people trying and failing to be faithful to God. And that's why we need Jesus in the New Testament. So when we come back, we're going to unpack what what it actually looks like to for Joshua to try to do these things that God's asked of him, for us to try to do these things that because they certainly apply practically to us as well. And finally, we'll talk about how Jesus fits into all of that. I don't know if you noticed, but the whole time we've been doing this podcast, we've actually been on the International Space Station. Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's different than the ambiance we normally go for, but it's still interesting. We got a little radio chatter in the background from old Houston. You got Captain Kirk over there zipping up his sleeping bag. Uh, you know, just living our life. Yeah, I mean, it has been, it's one small step for man, but one giant leap for Bible and stuff to be able to be buskers on the International Space Station. It's amazing. I, I've never seen my scale so low before. <laughs> yeah, but if you can't, like us, be here in person to drop a tip in our tip jar, we wanted to still give you the opportunity to help us out by making a virtual tip jar. So while our Russian friends who are walking by yeah. can leave a dollar, and even Chester the monkey, or I think they're running some tests on, uh, is able to tip in real time, you can do so through the link in the description, and that really helps us keep this thing going. Who knows where you'll see us next week. All right, so let's lean more into this now. We've said that God has essentially told Joshua to be strong and courageous, right? To know that he is by his side, stick with him, and then to also meditate on the law day and night, right? So that he's got it in his head. Nobody's nobody's messing with that anymore, uh, or at least that's the intent. So where where are we going from here? What is What is God actually meaning by this? How does it apply to us? Let's kind of dive into that now. Yeah, so as we talk about the theme of Joshua here, which we've summed up in be strong and courageous, right? It's important to to back up a little bit and see how this kind of fits into the the whole narrative of Scripture. We talked about earlier, you know, we went back to Abraham and walked up to Joshua, and we kind of skipped over creation. But the thing about creation is, that's the thing we've been trying to get back to this whole time, right? Mm. The Garden of Eden where man is with God, that's that's what we're striving for. And getting into the promised land is trying to get back into the Garden 
of Eden. It is trying to get back to a place where we're, we're where God wants us to be, and then we live with God, and he lives with us, and there's peace on earth, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's important to note, like, this has been the direction the whole time, even after the events of Joshua take place, that pretty much continues to be the direction. And then obviously we know that comes to fruition in, in Revelation when heaven comes to earth and God actually finally restores all things. So on one hand, I say that to say, like, we're not telling a new story. The, the Old Testament kind of has repeating themes over and over again. And I think if you're not careful, that could maybe make it seem boring. But I actually find it extremely interesting that we can tell that similar story in so many different ways. And it because we do that, it brings out new facets of it all the time that we didn't first see. Mm, and so yeah. Joshua is going to have some specific facets that we get to look at because now we've taken this one story and you know, kind of turned the diamond over and we're seeing a different side of it. Yeah, just to kind of go off of that for a second, I think one of those things that repeatedly happens is like, God reveals himself in some way. There's this big moment of, of you know, him coming in and, and saving the day, basically. And mm-hmm. everybody's like, yeah, go, God, I'm going to follow you. <laughs> and then like three hours later, it's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to do my own thing now. Uh, and I, I always remember reading through that stuff and being like, I don't understand. Like, yeah. you just saw this crazy thing happen before you. You know God is real he exists he's he's doing all these things and you're not you're not going to put your trust in him and then i come to the realization i'm like oh wait i'm reading about all of these things i know god is real and i'm still not doing that yeah uh so even i know you were saying each time you read through it you you may pick out different pieces but it's also each time i read through it even the simplest concept of it like the repeating thing itself is enough for me to be like ah shoot i do the same thing (laughs) really the whole bible is about the gospel it's all pointing to jesus either whether it's coming before him and pointing toward him coming or whether it's come after him and pointing back to him coming and to his you know eventual return uh the problem with that is or not it's not the problem with that it's the problem with us is that we always forget it. Yeah. And so we need the entire book to be about the gospel because we need to be constantly reminded of it. And so uh, that's exactly what happened with Moses and the people of Israel, right? As we said earlier, they're, they're outside the land. Like they should yeah. have be going in. The problem is they forgot all these crazy ways in which God has provided for them and God has delivered them from different things. I mean, he's he's parted a sea. He's literally crushed an entire nation so that they can be free from slavery and be a nation of their own. He's provided manna in the desert when they had no fruit. There's been pillars of fire, like all kinds of crazy stuff has happened. And, and yet, just like us, they continually forget all the amazing ways that God has provided and focus instead on their current struggles and their current felt needs as if God can't also provide for them. So yeah. 
Specifically, we see that story play out in Numbers 13, where the people of God send out spies, again, prior to Joshua, into the land. And they're like, hey, these people are strong. Like, we are not prepared to do, like, (laughs) this is going to go poorly for us. And they say, quote, we are not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we are. And what that's showing is they... They're losing their faith that God will overcome that obstacle. And what that got them is wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Yeah. I always want to be careful to immediately draw lines to our life and things like that. But if that doesn't speak to you, I don't know what what to tell you. Like (laughs) when, when when we forget God's faithfulness, when we forget God's provision, and we become too focused on our immediate issues as if he yeah. can't also cover those, then it, it leads to wondering. It leads to not fulfillment. It leads to, you know what I mean? Like this, this discontent that I think a lot of us struggle with because we continue to look to other places to fix those issues besides God himself. Yeah. Well, I, I even relate it to, my kids, right? If, if they're uh, swimming as an example, if they're like trying to learn how to swim and I say, Hey, hold your breath and put your head underwater. Like immediately it's like, I'm not going to do that. I can't breathe underwater. And it's like, no, trust me. If you hold your breath and there's that resistance and my kids love me. Right. But in those Mm -hmm. moments when that fear is facing them, it's like they're blind to everything else. Uh, and I, that feels like the same thing here, but uh, yeah, I don't, it, it's so easy for me to relate it to my kids. And then when it comes to me, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> acting exactly like them. <laughs> to, to maybe take that a step further, and this is possibly just an excuse for me to tell the story. Um, our kids are going to swim lessons right now. My wife took them the other day and <laughs> there's a kid in my son's class that the mom asked, like, hey, how's he doing? Like, just, you know, be honest with me. Like, I'm curious how it's going. And she was basically like, the teacher was essentially saying, not great. (laughs) (laughs) And the mom was like, okay, you know, what's the issue? And the teacher's like, well, honestly, I just don't think he's trying. (laughs) Like, I think he he doesn't want to do it, and he's not being a willing participant. And uh, I think unfortunately like at our worst we look like that too right like we've gotten past the point of like wrestling with our with our sin and our insecurities and we get to the point sometimes where we're just stagnant and not trying and and it takes it takes in uh reminders like this and encouragement like god saying hey hey be strong and courageous i'm with you i'm not leaving be strong and courageous to remember that so Let's look at what that means, because that's God's prescription, right? Yeah. Well, the, the issue is that the past generation was timid and fearful, and so you need to be strong and courageous. But if you're a good Bible scholar or theologian, you should immediately go, hold on, but salvation's not about me doing anything to earn like position with God or favor with God. So if this is all reliant on me being strong and courageous, isn't that just works-based? Or, you know, even worse, like I know that I'm not going to be perfect this side of heaven. So, like, aren't I always going to fail at being Mm. strong and courageous? Like, those are the two immediate 
questions that come up for me. So I want to be clear that, first of all, I don't think God is asking Joshua to live in his own strength. Now, I'm I'm not saying he's not telling Joshua to put as much effort into it as he can. I, I don't think that it's dependent on Joshua's effort. But I'm not saying that God is not asking of him effort. Because I think yeah. that's part of that's our participation in it. Yeah. But God is not asking Joshua by himself to overcome the obstacle that is right. in front of them. He's saying, I just need you to stay with me. Yeah. <laughs> right? I need you to press in. I need you to to want me. I need you to believe in me. And that's really the answer for us too, right? Look, when we're forgetting and we're fearful and we are looking to all these other options besides God as a, as a possibility of fixing whatever is the problem in our life, the answer for us is to put all that aside and trust in the Lord and put our faith yeah. that he's going to provide even when we have no idea what that looks like. Well, this this feels like Paul with Philippians 4.13, right? The the totally misconstrued verse that's usually taken yeah. out of context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think this is exactly what that is pointing to, right? God is, God is commanding Joshua to be strong and courageous. And Joshua doing that is relying on the strength of God, right? God is mm-hmm. providing him with that strength and the ability to do these things. If God was saying, be strong and courageous based on your own merit and, and what you've done, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you're definitely going to fail, <laughs> yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was reading Judges this week, uh, and this is going to kind of show my hand a little bit of some of the uh, later chapters in Joshua. Um, but I felt like this Judges passage was similar to what we're going to see in Joshua. And it's the story of um, God's, you know, people are coming together. They're going to go defeat these wicked people and take the land and blah, blah, blah. And God says, God says something to the effect of, Hey, your army's too big. Like we, we need to, we need to fix this. And so he's like, Hey, tell people if, if you're fearful, just go home. And then like, I think there's, there's something like 30,000 of them and 20,000 of them leave. And it's like, oh, okay. That's not usually like a good tactic if you're trying yeah. to win like a military warfare. Like, hey, you got any second thoughts? Get out of here uh, because we want less people. But then the, the crazy thing, like I'm just like, what is happening is the crazy thing is God's like, hey, but that's still too many people. And so then he takes them down to a river or something. It's off top of the head, so I'm probably messing it up. But he basically says, hey, tell everybody to drink from the river, and the people that lap it up with their hands, keep them, send the rest away. And it ends up being like 300 or something. Like it's 300, like you've gone from yeah. like thousands to 300. And then God's like, okay, this is good. And, you know, lo and behold, they go and they win the battle. And really, they don't even have to do much. They blow some trumpets, and like people some of the enemies kill each other and like it's very clear that god is the one winning this battle and i think that's what we're gonna see 
throughout Joshua is when they're living in the Lord's strength, how little it actually requires of them. And I think that proves our point, right? Our point is not that Joshua has to go out there and kill a hundred dudes by himself because he needs to be strong and courageous. The point is like, Hey, if you will just stay with me, I will take care of you and I will prove that I am the one doing these things. That's the other thing is God wants the glory. Like let's not, let's not gloss over that. God is in it for his glory and he's most glorified when it cannot be explained by any other possibility. Yeah. He's most glorified when this must be a God thing because there's no way 300 dudes are killing this whole army or there's no way this small, you know, nation of Israelites is going to go in and defeat these other nations of crazy people, like people that are like good warriors and strong, you know what I mean? And so, uh, something that dawned on me, and I thought, oh, I should save this for a later episode, but I liked it too much to, to not <laughs> say it, basically. Yeah. I think you could possibly sum up a lot of the battles that we're going to see in Joshua as the people not needing to be big, strong warriors. They're not there as warriors, but they're, they're there as witnesses, right? God doesn't have them there to be you know, in their own strength and defeat all these enemies. God has them there so that they can be the people Hmm. who tell the testimony of him doing it. Yeah. That was the thing that like, oh, it clicked for me. Like we we think of them as an army and like, wow, that's a crazy, if you take God out of it, you're just like, that's an unreal inspiring story of, you know, this army that's way outmatched defeating this other army. But when you think about it, it's like, well, why would God take something like in the story of Judges, why would God take 300 people to this battle? It's because he wanted 300 people to be able to say, you will not believe what just happened. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's interesting. We're So we're reading through John in church right now. And we were, we're just in John 6, um, the bread of life, where Jesus is talking about he's the bread of life and everything. Yeah. And we were discussing last night how even with these miracles that he's doing and, and stuff like that, Jesus's disciples and the crowds following him are like still struggling to get to the point where they're like, Oh yeah, you're God. Like you're, you're the son of God. And, um, they're, they have this mindset that I think they've been expecting someone like Moses to free them from slavery physically and to bring them out of harm's way and all of that. And I I think they're expecting like, yeah, we're going to take down the government. We're going to we're going to overcome all of this. And I think it's a lot along the lines of what you're saying where it's like no, you're not going in as warriors. You're going in as witnesses, right? Jesus is doing the same thing on a on a spiritual level. He's mm-hmm. not going in to physically take down the government and all of these things while he does do that eventually, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh he's not doing that in the moment. He's showing them that God provides through all of this, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just thought it was really interesting you saying that, and I like that. We're not—they're not warriors; they're witnesses. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about it in, to, in today's terms, like we're not—we're not supposed to go into our community and start ransacking people. Like we're right. supposed to tell of what God has done in our life, what God has done in all of history, and witness about it. But that—that that comes straight out of the New Testament, right? He sends his people out, and he—and he says. He, he, he tells them things like, turn the other cheek. He tells them things like, if someone tries to take your tunic, like, let them have it. Give them your knapsack. I don't care. He doesn't say, like, go out there and, you know, lay the hammer down on people. Right. He says, go out there, share the good news, 
And then, you know, if they don't listen to it, wipe your, kick the dust off your feet and go to the next place. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, the, that brings us to Jesus, right? I, I hinted at this question earlier, and we still haven't really landed on a great answer for it. So it's, what about Jesus? If, if this is only about us being strong in the Lord, then what, what role does Jesus play in all of this? And it goes back to what I said earlier, like, you're going to mess it up. We're going to find out yeah. <laughs> pretty quickly that the Israelites in the book of Joshua mess it up because we can't do it on our own, right? If we could, then Jesus would need to exist. Yeah. And we need his obedience. We need his faithfulness to replace our unfaithfulness and our disobedience, right? So that is that is the point of salvation. That's us being covered in his blood and him righting all our wrongs. So present day, that's what it looks like for us to be strong and courageous. It's to trust in what Jesus has done. And we have access to the strength of God because he now sees us uh, the same way that he sees his son. The kicker there is being strong and courageous still applies to us because now that we're in Christ, we're being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to constantly grow in Christ-likeness. So we are still trying, by the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to be strong and courageous, to yeah. press into Jesus, to live according to all the law of God, right? We've talked about this before, but once you're saved, the law, instead of just being this um, thing that hangs over your head and damns you, it now is this thing that's like, oh, this is how I stay close to God. Yeah. So when he's telling Joshua, hey, keep the law, meditate on it, he's saying, this is how you do it. Yeah. And we, we have to know that Joshua is looking forward to a Jesus at the same time, right? So he, he has the same faith that we do. It's just a little more complicated because he comes before Jesus comes into yeah. the world. But he's looking at God the same way that we look at him now. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like this is a recurring theme that I'm seeing um, where the more obedient we are to God, the more we grow to know him, the more we in turn desire to be like him. Mm -hmm. Um uh, and I think that's the same case here. Uh, as you you were saying, now that we're saved, we strive to grow in obedience with Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. We have that desire. Now that we're saved, we look at the law and we're like, oh, yeah, I want to do those things to, to continue to grow, to be more like God. Uh, as opposed to, I think, before becoming Christians, and even sometimes, I, I'm not going to say... Sometimes as Christians, we still have those moments where we're we're working through things we, even as Christians sometimes, I think, struggle with with desiring uh, some of these things, like wanting to obey the law more because we're not living in obedience or getting to know God yes, more. Yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky relationship, right? So uh, Piper says that thing that's like, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And this is the, the tricky thing about obedience. It's not dependent on our obedience, but our obedience is makes our lives better. <laughs> so like I'm I'm trying to tie all these things yeah. together and I, I think what I what I'm dancing around is 
sometimes as Christians, we look at growing in obedience as kind of a slog and kind of not fun. But I think what we're missing out on is more obedience makes our life better. We find more joy when we press more deeply into Christ through actually doing what he's asked us to do. Like uh, we see that as a burden of like, oh, I have to like try to, but no, like it's good for us. And that's where I was going when I was saying like God is actually for his glory in this book of Joshua and the entire Bible. And that's good for us because if he is most glorified in us, when we're most satisfied in him, that means more enjoyment for us. That means better things for us. Yeah. And and yes, it requires obedience, but it's it, when you see it in that light, I think obedience becomes less of a dirty word and more like, oh yeah, when it, it's more fun that way. Right? It's it's like yeah. when you have a game yeah. that has rules. Well, it's more fun when we have when some structure to the and like every illustration breaks down, but like we know that to be true. Like the the world would be less enjoyable if there were no rules <laughs> it would be less enjoyable yeah. if anybody could just come take your stuff or whatever and you know those are simple examples and, and not necessarily the the same thing as you know reading the word or or being in prayer or whatever but i i think they're pointing in that same direction of it, we're going to like this a lot more <laughs> when we do it the way that he intended okay so we have this this idea now that Jesus matters, right? <laughs> I think we say that and we know that, but Jesus matters in this context because there there is this sense where we do need to be continue to be obedient, right? To continue to grow. So where do we go from here, right? What what do we what do we use all of this knowledge now to to continue on with? Yeah. So the same thing that we see happening to Joshua, we, we can apply to ourselves, right? God is telling him to be strong and courageous because he has something he needs him to do. Maybe needs is the wrong word, but Joshua's got to be a part of this. And we have also been given a mission. And I think it's, it's crazy if you look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, you see the same kind of language that we're seeing here in Joshua 1. Jesus starts by saying, all authority all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So similar to what God is saying in Joshua, is like, listen, I'm in control here. And then he tells him what he's going to go do. In Joshua, it's, hey, you're going to go into the promised land. In Matthew 28, it's our mission of go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. But that's the same mission if you really think it's heading toward the promised land. It's getting back to Eden. It's the same end goal. We're at just different points in the timeline. And then he finishes it with, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's exactly what God says says. to Joshua is, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. No matter what, I'm right by your side. And so that's why I think the book of Joshua is going to have so much application for us. It's because he's on the same mission. He's in a different point in history and things look a little different. And that's where some of the difficulties will come as we have to talk about the the practicalities of these battles and people dying and all that stuff, because that's not the world we live in, but the principles, as I said, the end goal, what God is doing is exactly the same. 
So yeah. for us to be strong and courageous, right? We talked about the theme of Joshua. He needs to be strong and courageous by keeping the law and all that stuff. For us, it, it's the same, but it just looks like get close to Jesus, right? We, we need to mm. trust in him. Yeah, that's the simplest yeah. way. Yeah, to, we yeah. need <laughs> to trust in him by being strong and, and not doubting him the way the Israelites doubted him by not going into the promised land. We need to obey him just like he tells Joshua, hey, keep the law, you know, meditate on it day and night. But for us, that looks like growing in Christ-likeness, probably through scripture reading and Bible reading and fellowship, the spiritualist ones that we've been talking about. And we need to rest in him. Rest, we get to rest because he's with us always. God's already won the battle and he's carrying out like his kind of victory march here (laughs) until he he comes back. So yeah, it's going to be hard in a lot of times. Yes, it's going to take some effort from us, but we, we get to rest in the fact that it's as good as done. When God tells Joshua, I'm going to clear this land and you're going to live there with me, it's basically already over. Now we're just going yeah. through the rhythm of getting there to which God has already decreed it will happen. Man, that's so good. I, there's just so much going through my head in this episode. And I just keep thinking about, uh, you know, how much better life is with Jesus and when we're putting our trust in mm-hmm. him, right? I I think there's this this weird expectation that gets put on people when they become Christians that like life is fine and dandy. Yeah. I think I think the phrase that often gets used is like there's so much more joy mm-hmm. in him, right? And that is true, but it gets misconstrued to mean my life is going to be better and I think people take that in a a self um, Mm. a selfish way. Like things are going to be better for me. Things are going to go my way, the way I want them to go. And that's not the case. They're going to go God's way in the way that he wants them to go. And even if that's not our way, that should be fulfilling to us if we're Christians, because God is getting the glory. God's kingdom is moving forward. Um, and I I think you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head. Yeah. I I guess the last thing I would say is you're right. Like we don't, we're not at the point where we get the silver spoon in our mouth, right? Like uh, we have still have to get our hand dirty, but that's, a, that's actually the beauty yeah. of this part in our life. Like you look at the way Paul talks about these things. He talks about sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Like he, he talks about all those quote unquote negative things in kind of a positive light. Like it, yeah. it would be so much less enjoyable if we didn't get to experience this the way we experience it, I, 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 it's hard to articulate. But if we just immediately like saved and now everything's perfect, we don't get that growing process. Like there's there is a lot of beauty in the journey, right? Like we miss all that. I think a lot of us can look back on our lives and sure, there's things we would change. Like that's the nature of sin, right? But if there were no progression, it would be really boring. It would be really boring and yeah. really um, it would not feel feel very fulfilling to have just gone from zero to 100. Now you have nothing to worry about. Well, and I also think of it not not only from our perspective, from but from God's perspective. I'm just kind of going off the cuff here, so you can rebuke me and correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong in any of this. But I feel like, you know, from creation, God knew what was mm-hmm. going to happen, right? And allowed for us to screw up 
And I think part of that is like, God wouldn't get any glory if he forced everything on us, right? If we didn't have choice uh, in some way. And I'm not, I'm not trying to jump into this idea of like predestination doesn't exist and all that, but more so just the fact that like, no, we still choose, but God still also had a plan. Uh, And I don't know. I just think he gets glory when we are able to go through these things and still yeah, choose it, him. Yeah, I, I think you said he wouldn't get any. I don't know if that's true, but but he's, I, th- I think he certainly gets more. I think he certainly yeah, gets yeah. more uh, by giving, making us people who have some sense of free will. And right, like I'm not, I'm not taking a hard stance on Calvinism or Arminianism here. In fact, I lean towards Calvinism, which generally wouldn't emphasize free will. But I th- it's got to be both and. You can't read the Bible and not have to account <laughs> for both of those things. And I say, I would yeah. say, the whole reason Adam and Eve had the ability to choose is because this way is more glorifying to God and can be more satisfying to us. I, and that's mm. that's paradoxical. Mm. I know that's tough, but I I think that's right. I think that's right. Well, I think this was a, a great start to kind of get us prepped for what the rest of Joshua is. Uh, maybe like a, a focal point. Um, not That's not the word I'm looking for. A lens is yeah. what the word I was looking for. It gives us a good lens to to view the rest of Joshua in. So yeah, I like you said, you had originally mm-hmm. planned we were going to do yeah. four episodes. It, it feels like this will probably be five ish, but I'm not gonna. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're trying to find that sweet spot of not too much information in one episode, but not dragging this out until the point where it's like, God, why are we still talking about Joshua? Uh, we're going to try to find yeah. the happy medium in there uh, and make sure we give the the content of the story enough room to breathe, but also make sure that we move through it with some sense of pace that keeps us excited about it. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, uh, we hope that you enjoyed walking through this episode with us. As always, we really enjoy talking about it and growing in our faith. Um, so Tanner, why don't you tell us what, what we can do as listeners to be able to continue to support and, uh, help us out in this endeavor. Yeah, I like that how you on. included yourself in the group of listeners because that's basically, basically what you do during I this podcast is I <laughs> talk too much and you have to listen to it, uh, of which I appreciate you greatly. <laughs> but yes, if you are a listener like Glenn and you want to tell us what your thoughts are on this, what, what maybe stuck out to you, maybe something you didn't agree with. We get some of those. That's fine, man send that our way uh you can reach out to us on social media that's facebook instagram twitter we're actually putting out some cool content that's exclusive to instagram right now and may find its way over to facebook ah they're owned by the same company sometimes that there's some trickle over there probably gonna be putting some stuff on youtube (laughs) too uh so check that out and you know interact with it let us know what you think like it, share it. That's always really helpful. Uh, and then you can also, the old-fashioned way, reach out to us directly by emailing us at hello at bibleandstuff.com. Well, until next time. Peace. The Bible and Stuff podcast is a production of Bible and Stuff. We do more than just podcasts, so if you want to know more about something we've covered on the show, just visit our website at bibleandstuff.com. 
Our show is hosted by Tanner Britt and Glenn Brand, and our theme music is by The Sing Team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.